Hello there, and welcome to Gooner U, where there are no degrees because the learning never stops. I'm Dove, a TA here at Gooner U, and my friend Keith is our stalwart distinguished professor of Arsenal and Football Studies. This week featured our 20th Premier League match of a season at home against Crystal Palace. Hello, Keith. Hello, Dove. How are you? Are you staying dry today? Yes, here here it has been dry. Uh, snow is still present. It's been staying below freezing the last uh, couple of weeks, but <laughs> and maybe well, more it was rich for, for today. It's yeah. very chilly this weekend here in Houston, but today, as as I record, it is pouring outside. Audibly, oh, well, audibly, so a few minutes ago it stopped. But you know, if you hear anything strange in the background, it's just it's just <laughs> the rain. That's that's all it is. All right. Well, hopefully our filters take care of that. So, <laughs> uh, I don't really have anything in the way of follow up from our last episode, uh, except to what, say how much we'd both like to have spent the last week in Dubai, probably. Yeah. Oh, actually, since you mentioned Dubai uh-huh. in Arsenal's uh, pre-match email about the crystal palace match, I did see the sleeveless versions of their black, yellow and blue training jerseys that they wear. Hmm. Is that what you were talking about when you're talking about Ben White last week? Possibly. It looked to me yeah. like he had rolled them up. I know for the for our YouTube audience can, can get oh, to see it, but be. the idea of rolling it like it looked yeah. as if he was doing the thing to fully explain. Maybe they were made that way. I mean, I... I yeah. I, I think I, I had seen Odegaard in the photo and it, it looked like it was made that way. So. It could also <laughs> particularly... It, with White, it's particularly noticeable because he did the same thing with his shorts and they were way up, up the thighs. I mean, listen, <laughs> oh, okay. you know, that's you assume that color isn't his natural born skin tone that takes work i imagine so i respect the effort you know in all elements of his game yeah look better in a speedo (laughs) i mean it's i mean it's definitely according to arteta they didn't work on set pieces and so well uh you know if 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 ben white was just working on his tan i think everything worked out for everybody so Well, uh, if they didn't work on set pieces, uh, maybe maybe they've been practicing set pieces too much before this week. <laughs> yeah, how about they just don't practice at all and see what happens? Uh, <laughs> so counterpoint: for- the real amp- answer here is play Crystal Palace more often, but we'll get to that. <laughs> So, uh, before we get to the match, uh, what's going on elsewhere in the world of soccer? Uh, elsewhere in the world, we have some updates from the Asian Cup, uh, the Asia Cup, and the African Cup of Nations. Uh, just for our purposes, uh, updating us, uh, our our intrepid following teams, India. Um, India is 0-2. They, we mentioned they lost, Aust- I don't know if we had mentioned it last time, we're checking dates. Uh, yeah, well, they lost to Australia in their opener 2-0. They then followed that up with a 3-0 loss to Uzbekistan. Uh, they play Syria uh, tomorrow in the final game of the group stage. There is a chance they could get into if they were to beat Syria, who's also not terribly good. Uh, they could get into the into third and shot the knockout stages, but it's not looking good uh, for. Uh, I was going to give India's nickname, and then I totally forgot what it was. Hmm. Blue Tigers is that a thing? No. Um, don't know. I don't. I wasn't actually aware of any nickname. Let's let's okay. see if they actually qualify for the World Cup, and then I'll. Yeah. <laughs> so we're not going to learn it. Um, Japan, meanwhile, has has had an interesting tournament. They beat Vietnam in their openers we mentioned last week, and then early in the week lost to to Iraq, uh, hmm. two to one. In fact, it was two nil. Uh, Iraq was up two nil at the half, and Japan only got a goal in stoppage time. Wow. Uh, which is a little disappointing. I mean, they're still in good shape, certainly to advance uh, as top two, and then probably in top three. Their last game is against Indonesia, who's probably 
well, no, I shouldn't say the weakest team in the group. They did beat Vietnam, but uh, Indonesia is one of the weaker teams. The team Japan should do well against Iraq. Is Iraq is not a bad team. They have mm. they have some talented players. They've been good over the years. Um, obviously, a lot of their the country's internal instability has played a, a large, you know, pre even pre two thousand three has played a lot of role in Iraq being a decent Asian team, but not always a consistently good Asian team. I think they've won mm. the cup once or twice before. Uh, mm. But anyway, Japan has a shot to get in. Uh, one note there in the game, uh, Tomiyasu came on for Japan at halftime. So he played the second half for uh, Japan. Um, obviously, they're still being careful with his fitness. Uh, so um, we'll see how that tournament ultimately plays out. But uh, that's an update for ours. Cool. They, I believe everyone has played two games by this point, and the uh, yeah, the first group uh, has actually Group A has wrapped up. Mm-hmm. So um, Qatar and Tajikistan are through into the knockout stages, and China is in third, waiting to see how the rest of it plays out. They do not look; they only have two points. The chances of them advancing are not very good. We'll mm-hmm. see. Asian Cup continues. Uh, likely seeing Japan moving on, and India has a shot, but that would be. Uh, It'd be tough at this stage. No. Yeah. All right. Um, and so that's the news from Qatar. Yeah. As for our, our, our African uh, sides, what have we got here? I'm going to scroll through everything. Uh, Egypt uh, has finished their group stage as of earlier today. They have three draws, uh, a all 2-2. Two, two. Hmm. So every single game plays 2-2. Two, two. A draw with Mozambique. We mentioned that one last week. 2-2 two, two with Ghana. It looks like a back-and-forth game. And then 2-2 with Cape Verde, uh, including a pair of stoppage-time goals, for one for each team. Uh, Mustafa put Egypt ahead. That's um, yeah, Mustafa Mohammed uh, put them ahead in the 93rd minute. And then uh, Brian Teixeira for Cape Verde scored in the 99th minute to get, make that one 2-2. Cape Verde wins the group. Egypt advances um, as the second-place team. Ghana awaits. Uh, the mm. rest, the rest of the results. One thing we did see, however, uh, Mosala did not play in this game over the weekend. He returned to Liverpool for um, treatment. I guess he's work dealing with an injury. Mm. He's back in Liverpool. Supposedly, the the talk though is he might be back. I guess for I think they said the semifinals if Egypt goes that far, which mm. I don't quite understand. I mean, Liverpool down to, to Ivory Coast isn't that much of a isn't that far of a flight, but still, it's kind of an odd thing. Um, we'll see how that goes, uh, for both hmm. Egypt and for Salah and for Liverpool, I guess. Um, well, regardless, it sounds like he wouldn't be playing against us in a couple weeks then. Well, ideally that'd be the case. Right. I mean, the conspiracy minded of you would say, oh, is that interesting? He'll miss the part of the tournament where Liverpool will play Arsenal. And certainly they, <laughs> you know, not, they can certainly beat, beat us without him as we saw on that, <laughs> right. but I, ideally, yes, we would play Liverpool without Salah in the lineup. Right. Um, ideally, we play him with Tomiyasu in our lineup, and that's probably not going to happen either. So, <laughs> you know, what are you going to do? Yeah. And I say probably it's not going to happen. I think they're, they're through. Uh, South Africa, meanwhile, uh, bounced back. We saw they lost 2-0 to Mali in their opener. They beat Namibia 4-0 in their second game. So they're currently sitting in second place in the group, uh, winning a tiebreaker against Namibia. So they're uh, they're going to play Tunisia. That's the tough part is they have to play the best, probably the best team in the group Although currently sitting in fourth, so mm. South Africa in pretty good. Sh- I'd say with three points, I think they have a, a pretty decent sh- three points and a, a decent goal differential. I think they have a pretty good. They certainly have a have a chance of advancing 
uh, into the knockout stages. So um, I guess we can see both of our sides in the uh, in the next round uh, as far into the round of 16 for AFCON. So. Yeah. <laughs> and then also I should throw in, I forgot to throw this in our notes, the U.S. played our Camp Cupcake Friendly on Saturday out in yes. San Antonio. Uh, they lost 1-0. Uh, so I, I didn't actually see very much of that. I saw a couple of minutes here and there or something sporadically. Apparently, no one on the roster really covered themselves with glory, uh, which isn't a huge surprise. It's a bunch of guys who are in MLS preseason, a lot of young kids. You're probably going to see most of them this uh, this summer, not in Copa America, but possibly in the Olympics. Hmm. Uh, so uh, we'll see how that goes. Um, a little disappointing. It's not good to lose, but apparently by accounts, they were pretty good in the last 10 minutes pushing for a goal to tie. So they made some, some of the late subs. Some of those guys were a little better, a little more into the game and did better hmm. there. So hard to read too much into this. The next game that really matters to the U S is the Nate Concacaf nations league in March, which is up in Arlington, Texas, uh, Jerry world. So we'll see how that, huh. how that goes. All right. So this is a summer Olympics year. Yes. Okay. And most importantly, we qualified, which we had not done the last two times. This is good ah, for us. It's good yeah. that we playing there. <laughs> um, and the Olympics, we've talked about, I think we talked about the Olympics as a, a U23 tournament for the men. Right. Uh, so, yeah, so it's going to be a lot of young kids with a couple overage, as opposed to for the women, where the Olympics is a major tournament, second really only to the World Cup. So, right. uh, you, you know, the, obviously the women will be at full strength for that. But. Yeah. Hopefully, hopefully, American full strength, which is, you know, gold medal quality. Sure. <laughs> All right. Well, let's talk about Crystal Palace. So uh, the first thing, well, okay, so just to cover the the key uh, <laughs> key info about the match, it was our 20th match. It occurred uh, two days ago as we record, Saturday, January 20th, and we won 5-0. We uh, definitely improved our goal difference over Aston Villa. <laughs> <laughs> when yeah. all was said and done, <laughs> it's it was a it was a nice afternoon out, or I guess a nice morning from our perspective. Um, right. I, I, so interesting thing. So the Houston Gooners, little little inside baseball here. The the Houston Gooners actually switched our location. We were in a new pub this weekend. Huh. Um. So the first time we went, of course, it was you know six thirty in the morning, which is you know this was very very cold this weekend. But the place was nice. TVs were good. The staff was nice. Yeah, the, yeah. The, you know the, the the house was warm and the beer was cold and you know that's that's what you want no matter the time of day, um, <laughs> and and we christened it with a really nice uh, a really a really just a good overall performance and a really resounding win. Yay. Yeah. Well, and most importantly, they had the doors unlocked for you when you arrived at six thirty yes. in the morning. Okay. Good. <laughs> mm. They were ready for us. I'd, I'd be very nervous switching locations like. On this match, that's so early. <laughs> I well, I, I we were I would be less so because it's the first one, and so like you, you know that. And they, you know, I talked a little to the guy who was the guy who runs the place was manning the bar. We were talking to him a little bit afterwards, and he was he was psyched for it, and you know, um, so he's so you know he, for the first game, I wasn't surprised. You know, maybe second or third, or you know, you're a you're couple months in. We had a few inc- once or twice at the old place where. You know, the person who was supposed to come forgot or slept through their alarm or didn't. And we uh, had a few weird, someone shows up 10 minutes late and, you know, it, yeah. it, they worked around it. And, you know, I don't, I'm not here to d- cast dispersions or anything, but, yeah. you know, <laughs> the the first one's generally fine because everyone's up and ready to go. It's when you get comfortable that that's when things start to screw up. So, uh, okay. Well, maybe after the show, I'll ask you more about the 630 uh, <laughs> pub experience. <laughs> 
Yep. <laughs> so, uh, super fans stick around for that. Uh, so anyways, so, uh, so yeah, this was, uh, not, as fun a match to watch as the score would indicate it should have been to me. Like it, it never felt like we were performing like a top of the table team. It felt like we were performing about where we are, like toward the top, like, you know, qualifying for, for champions league, but not the top spot to me. Like we were, we were fortunate in that crystal palace was doing way, way worse than us. So it allowed us to get several over on them, but I mean, yes and no. I think it, it, this stuff. I mean, this is a game, and you and I talked a little bit about this in pregame. After the third goal, it was over. Mm-hmm. So, really, for the last half hour, there was really kind of a sense of like, you know, everybody starts talking to people around them. You know, and we, you know, home stories, and like, oh, this is the <laughs> thing I was doing this week. You know, like a lot. All, you know, you're you're around and you're paying attention, but you know, they're not like intensely focused the way you would be in a, in a one goal game when it's tight and all, and all of that. Um, there, I have some of the aftermath. I've seen some of the analysis that it did feel a little bit at times. Like we were, we were in second gear, as they say, like we, it wasn't quite, uh, you didn't get the full or, you know, Arsenal going, you know, all out. But then again, I mean, you know, we got, Got a couple of goals and, and I mean, basically controlled the flow of the game. Um, well, so that's where I noticed the most that we weren't at our normal level was, especially in the first half. It seemed like mm-hmm. they mostly got this under control in the second half, but in the first half, especially tons of sloppy giveaways over and over again, we were just passing to the other team, essentially, just like such off-target passes mm-hmm. that they had no chance of being received. And that that got to me. That that annoyed me a lot. Like, come yeah. on. like, <laughs> And they were doing the same thing. So very often we'd get yeah. a really bad pass and give it to them. And they'd turn around and do the same thing and give it back to us. But <laughs> I mean, I, I didn't feel that way. I, I certainly have seen some other games, like even some of the more recent games in, the, in that losing streak where it was like, ah, can't we do it? This game felt, didn't. Let's put it this way. Those mistakes, those mispasses, the previous one felt more like mental fatigue, you know, like, you know, the nerves of not being able to score and the pressure and all that kind of building on themselves. This one almost felt a little bit like a little bit knocking off the rust, getting back after the week off. But yeah. also a little also a little bit like passes like the ambitious kind of passes like, oh, let's try it. Oh, OK, it didn't quite work. But like okay. the kind that says, all right, I'm feeling like, like I never felt like. Oh, we're playing so poorly. We're 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 struggling in this. We're laboring, and again, a lot of that I think comes from the fact that we scored ten minutes into the game, mm-hmm. and that goal goals change games, and it changed so much about the game. Mm-hmm. And you know, and and it was it was it was Gabby. And I mean, it starts really. We'll we'll talk about both the header goals, the the corners. I mean, it really starts I think with a good corner taken by Declan Rice. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And we've seen a lot of this Martinelli and Trossard taking the corners from that side. Right. I always want to fight against the anecdotal perspective, right? Well, it feels like they do this. I'm sure if you look back at the numbers, it's not great. But it does feel a little bit like Martinelli and especially Trossard have struggled with some of those corners, including a lot, you know, sort of hitting the first man, not getting all the mm-hmm. way to the goal or getting deep into the box. And Rice hits this one exceptionally well. Goes up, you know, well past the first man towards the far post. Gabriel gets up and gets up and gets it, knocks it in. 
Uh, just an excellent finish, excellent job. And they, there's a lot of analysis talking about some of the movement in the box, a little bit of, little bit of screening here and there to you know push some guys around, some movement to draw defenders around. Just really an overall, really well done uh, play, and then an excellent finish from Gabrielle. Well, yeah. I mean, I wonder too. Regardless of how Rice does in isolation versus Martinelli or Trasara, I mean, it's it's good when you can keep the other team guessing too. Like if they know how Martinelli and Trasara tend to kick their corner kicks, right? Just having a third player to make give things more variability, so they don't necessarily know what's coming every time. I imagine that's a good thing too. I think that, that's definitely something you want. I mean, it, part of what we talk about the, the idea of set pieces is they are like set plays, right. um, but they also do rely on execution. And so, you know, I, part of it comes down to a different corner taker is going to do different things, you know, but, but like, it's not as if Martinelli's got five different corner kick styles lined up, you know, when he comes up, okay, sure. it could be any one of those, he's going to come in, he's set to do one or two things. And, and in this case, cause he's taken a lot of corners Chances are Palace has seen them all. Right. Really, I think where the change comes in is we talked about sometime is really the set plays run around it. They run that short corner, you know, where all of a sudden Odegaard runs toward the corner and they just roll it to him. And now we do it different. Now we take a, a, a cross, but from a different angle. Mm-hmm. Do we do, uh, you know, or you do you have Martinelli try to send it in, but different due to the movement, he's sending it to slightly different places. Again, it's not so much who's taking the corner as it is what everybody on the field is doing, what everyone in the box is trying to do. That's what they're okay. trying to keep an eye on. And the idea is, who are we targeting? We had one or two, or maybe I'm thinking of the Liverpool game, where it felt like we had a, um, oh, what's the friend I'm looking for? It felt like we had a, um, like a set play even off a, you know, a set play even just off a free kick, and we rolled it forward to somebody out wide as opposed to trying to arc it into the box. Yeah, so. I remember. I don't remember which match that was. I remember what you're talking about, though. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Well, so okay. So you're saying it's more just the execution. Like he just nailed the placement of the kick in a way that we haven't seen as much recently. Right, okay. and then and then Gabri- you know, and Gabriel's gotten in a good position, gets up on top of Chris Richards. That's Birmingham, Alabama's own Chris Richards. Oh, okay. Uh, so, so an American. So unfortunately, on loan for Bayern Munich, really an excellent player. Um, really a nice, really really good player. Um, yeah, I'd like to see him do well over time with. Uh, um, I'm sorry, he's not. He's signed from Bayern Munich. He's not on loan. He's he's on. Oh, okay. But but you know he's he, you know he spent some time with Bayern. And, is a good player that we hope can do well with the national team going forward. But not, today was not his day. Gabriel climbs the ladder and knocks it in. And it's 1-0. And again, for, for a, a Palace team that wasn't as effective in transition, had some moments in transition and on the counter, but you know now they're chasing the game, they're chasing a goal, it takes a lot of the pressure off us. Yeah, no, definitely. Before we leave this goal, one thing, though. It seemed questionable to me the way that Gabrielle was piggybacking off of him, though. Like, mm-hmm. to your eye, like, any allegiances aside, does that look like that mm-hmm. should have been a foul and they'd retake the corner kick or something? I didn't see anything in that. I mean, you won't see guys kind of climb each other. It usually yeah. becomes a problem, like, if you're really just pushing the guy away, but sort of using okay. him to climb up to get a play on the ball, they generally won't won't say okay. anything in that regard. Um, I mean, it, it is it is sort of... It, 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 one of the easy ways to look at it is you don't see a lot of the Palace players like reacting to it. Um, okay. Counter, Contra, the second goal, where they, yeah. they, were clearly, they were clearly objecting to something, we'll talk about right. it, but I mean, 
yeah, I, I didn't see anything in that, and I don't think that anybody saw anything in that that it was like, oh, we should. There's, there's a penalty here. Nah, nah there was nothing. Yeah. That. yeah, good goal. All right. Well, yeah. So then we we had tons and tons of corner kicks, just owing to I guess tons of shot attempts during this match mm-hmm. um the, the next one nearly bounced off of one of the palace players heads before then hitting like the corner of the the goal post mm-hmm. um i guess kind of <laughs> foretelling foreshadowing a little bit how we would end up getting our next goal but uh but before that though this is a 23rd minute um what did, what did you think of kai havertz going down in the penalty box <laughs> I have to say, I didn't, I didn't remember that one. I know you oh, highlighted okay. it and I didn't, I didn't see anything in there. There was a play, I think somewhere it was Jesus went down pretty, uh, pretty dramatically. And, you know, of course we're all like, that's a foul. That's a penalty. And then you watch the replay and go, Oh, he's lucky not to get a card for that. That's yeah. really bad. Yeah, um, I mean, that's, that's what I felt. I, I don't remember the one you're talking about. The, the one with Havertz, like, yeah, he was, if touched at all, it was very slight and he went down and then like picked up the ball on his way down or something mm-hmm. like that and got a handball called on him and the ball was he, turned over. So Yeah, I, yeah, but I, you know, you, you're pointing that one out. I gotta say, I don't remember that one. Um, <laughs> I'm not saying it didn't happen. I'm just, well, I'm course, sitting yeah. here like trying to be like... I'm not that. hallucinating I mean, yet. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, so um, so yeah, we... Uh, Kept it going, kept the pressure on them, kept the corner kicks coming, and 37th minute, <laughs> Gabrielle was called to action again. <laughs> yeah, we we apparently lead the league in both corners taken and goals scored off corners. Yeah. Uh, so we're actually quite good at set pieces. People complain a lot about that, but in our set piece record, especially offensively, but the truth is, we score a lot of them in part because we just take a lot of them. We get, we generate a lot of corners. Again, one of those underlying, underlying, not really advanced statistics, but one of those statistics that shit suggests we are actually a pretty good team and maybe arguably a little bit better than our record on some, in some respects. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, Gabby goes up and very briefly got another one. Um, so we, we <laughs> passed that, we passed this information around. Um, obviously, as we'll talk about, the goal was taken away from him. But at the time, he scored, he counted. That well, meant Ga- to, to be clear, taken away from him, not Arsenal. Well, yeah, yeah, taken away from Gabrielle. <laughs> but at the time, it had that when it when it was originally called his goal. That meant at that moment, uh, Gabrielle had the same number of goals in the league as Gabriel Jesus. Oh man, <laughs> which does speak to one of the issues we have as about our forward line not scoring enough goals. As we talk yeah. about Martinelli, Trossard, Saka. Inkedia, I think Inkedia is our leading scorer with five goals. That's just not enough. I mean, we spread yeah. the goals around a lot more, but sometimes, you, you know, again, looking for the goal from striker, you know, Gabriel Jesus only has that many goals in the league play this year. Um, hmm. Yeah, but, yeah, but, so, but, yeah, but not to, it's was, not to be. It's not to yeah, be. Not to be. So that... That was interesting. So, you know, with the chaos in the box, I don't know if anyone really saw what actually happened live as it transpired. But once you start seeing the replays, it became clear that, yeah, it went from Gabby's head to their keeper's head, mm-hmm. the back of his head specifically, and into the goal. Um, so it was called an own goal. How do you feel about that? Well, I'm. I, can, I, can I turn that back on you for a moment? Because I know what I, I have my own thoughts. I'm kind of curious what you think as you okay. see that. To me, 
because it was the back of his head, so there's really nothing he could do about it. He was essentially an inanimate object from the point of view of Gabrielle taking this shot, right? Um, and because he was in front of the goal, the ball would have gone in had he not been there. That did seem questionable to me that if, if it were up to me, I would not have called that an own goal. Hmm. Okay. So the basic way of thinking about an own goal is the idea is would the ball have gone in without that deflection? Sure. So I, as I recall, I have to, I'm fairly certain the, the goal, it was Martinelli's goal against Manchester city. The one that, the one that beat them in, in that game. It very clearly, as we see, goes off Nathan Ake's face. Right. But as I recall, it is Martinelli's goal. Correct. Um, let me see if I can find. I realize <laughs> that. Yeah. So the, I, off the top of my head. Yeah. I just say the idea is, as I'm at, saying that actually, I don't actually hundred percent remember either. Um, yeah. um, yes, yes. I see it listed as Martinelli's goal. Okay. Sorry. I did that as I was, I did, I was, I was pushing the thing in. It was like, I was saying, yes, well, I'm being told we're being told. Yes. Um, yeah, but, but yeah. So the idea is if the, in the judgment of the score keeper, which I think is the referee officially, if in their judgment, the ball is going on goal without the deflection, then it's a goal. It's a goal for the shooter. Right. If the if the deflection changes the trajectory of it such that it is a goal, and you'll see that in cases where maybe the shot's going on net, but because of the deflection, it goes the other the other side, and so the keeper's diving one way, the deflection causes it to go over here, and now he's you know that's an own goal. In this one, if you watch it, Gabriel doesn't head into the goal; he heads it back across the goal. Now he's trying to head oh. it into the goal; it's on purpose. But as you watch it. And I wasn't sure it live, but then I saw it. I mean, live, it was kind of bouncing around and like, ah, oh, it's in the goal. It's in right. the goal. Um, but when you watch that replay, it does look like it's coming back across the line. I don't know that it actually does curl back in and catch the post and go in. I think okay. I think it's fair in that instance to say the keeper's head is what definitely put it. Keeper's head is what definitely puts it into the net, which I'm not sure I could say from Gabrielle's uh, own own initial head. Um, okay, it's disappointing because, of course, you want to see Gabby get the big Gabby get the brace, but uh, yeah. So that's interesting, yeah. though. So even though there was really no option, like even in a different scenario, like if a defender has his leg outstretched and it just that deflection happens to knock mm-hmm. it in, like it doesn't matter. There's no intentionality or anything. It's just. Okay, so even though it's the back of his head and there's nothing he could have done about it. Yeah, it, right. It's yeah. not a, it, it, it's not about intentionality in this case. The, what, 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 what it plays into is, well, what plays into it is, you know, does the deflection basically change the trajectory enough to, to cause a potential goal mm-hmm. or perhaps to, you know, call, you know, to turn it into a goal? And there is an element of judgment call there. Like, this one is a judgment call. Um. You know, does it go in without his head? I don't know that it does. It maybe does float across the uh, across the goal and winds up, you know, maybe to another, you know, soccer or somebody on the far side pokes it in. I, you mm-hmm. know, I don't know that that's necessarily, right. um, you know, it doesn't mean they wouldn't have scored in that sequence. But I, I, I think it's fair to I, I do think it's fair to say I don't know that Gabriel's header would have scored. The keeper's head definitely is definitely put it into the net. That to me is, I, you know. You want it for Gabby, but that's a goal. I think that's an. I'm, I'm okay with that as an own goal. Yeah. Okay. I, I see that. So, uh, all right. 
one one uh <laughs> one kind of funny thing I noticed during this match. So um as it was going along, so we we've talked before, it, I, it's not mostly an issue for me. Like Jersey color, I generally know who the refs are during a match. What kept on throwing me during this match was Hughes. I don't remember the first name, but he was a player for Palace. Um because of his short, light blonde hair. And because they're wearing black jerseys, which still apparently subconsciously in my mind, I associate with, with the officials, even though they're very seldom, if ever, wearing those in, in the Premier League. Um, I kept on thinking of him as the keeper, who, who was a, a bald white guy also. Um, even though this guy was blonde, not bald, like from, you couldn't tell from the, from the stands where the camera was. So that was kind of funny. It kept on, it kept on looking like they were passing the ball, like, right at the referee like he would keep i kept on thinking oh he's got to get out of the way but (laughs) it was just taking me out of it a little bit it was kind of funny (laughs) yes that hair was very light yeah that was commented upon at one point that it was a very he was very uh very fair in a lot of ways All right. Well, so I don't really have much else to talk about uh for the second or sorry for the first half uh was there anything you wanted to touch on no we're up two nil and it felt good yeah, it felt good. Felt right. Yeah, uh, you know it also feels right. Signing into Zencaster dot com to record our show. So as uh, as listeners may recall, that is the tool that we use when we're recording every week, and we just open up Chrome. I log in. Keith does. I click record, and that's it. Um, so that's the first benefit of Zencaster. Really, is it's so easy. It's super easy to record a podcast. You just log in using your browser, and you start recording a high quality podcast right away. You can record studio quality sound and up to four K video with your guests. Feel a sense of Zen knowing Zencaster's multi layer backups ensure you always have your recordings in the highest quality even if the connection is unstable. It's also an all-in-one solution. So if you've thought about podcasting before, but you gave up thinking you needed a lot of different tools and services, well, those days are over. With Zencaster's all-in-one podcasting platform, you can create your podcast all in one place and then distribute to Spotify, Apple, and other major destinations. And for anyone who hasn't looked into it before, the types of things that they do for you that other platforms might not. They might just let you record. Well, what do you do with your recordings once you have it, right? They will handle for you all the post-production. So putting the audio or potentially like us video files together, syncing everything up, adjusting levels. You can even choose for the video, how you want people to display in frame. It does all that for you every time you use them for your post-production. So um, if that sounds good to you, you can go to Zencaster.com slash pricing and use our code Gooner. That's G-O-O-N-E-R. And you'll get 30% off your first month of any Zencaster paid plan. I'm fond of telling you that there's no U in Gooner, but I realize that I may not have told you before. There's only one E in Zencaster. They dropped the final one. So A-S-T-R at the end. I want you to have the same easy experience as we do for all of our podcasting and content needs. So it's time for you to share your story. You mentioned dropping that last E there. Is that new? Have I not? Nope, no- or have I, I just not noticed that? Never had the last E. And I think <laughs> I mentioned it the first time I did an ad read, but it's been a long time since I mentioned that. So I figure it's worthwhile. <laughs> it's just, you know, you, I just keep pushing that button and everything works. I just don't think about it. You know, it's a, it's a credit to them. I don't even remember their name. Everything works so well. <laughs> And that's the experience that they want for guests to have. It makes it easy for as many guests as you want. So, mm. oh, I'm sure there's some limit, but as many as I want. <laughs> Don't let that go to your head. Yeah, right. Um. <laughs> so, yeah, um, the we went into the second half strong on a two nil lead, and uh, things 
picked up from there. Like I felt like it, for me, it was a much stronger, not just by the goal score, but our performance. It's like, I don't know if they were even more demoralized or if we were starting to kind of hit our stride. We had cleared the rust off, let's say in the first half or something. I felt like it was, it was a much stronger performance. The, the second half, um, our, do you want to talk about our first goal of the second half? Yeah. Um, it was another goal off a corner. Only this was a palace one. Uh, that it comes in <laughs> and, you know, Raya does a good job to get it. Uh, and then, uh, does the thing that we said Raya is really good at that distribution. Um, you know, it's, it's, we, we broke so effectively on the, um, you know, broke so effectively on the counter there. And, you know, we, one of the things we've struggled with, I think, in this, in this more recent stretch is our transitions, right? Is able to, being able to get back into position, you know, or, or taking advantage of those plays and sort of, we almost move a little too slowly and deliberately and it allows the other team to get back. We didn't allow that. I mean, they, they went and they were, you know, Raya was up and ready and going and, you know, you hear fans talk, you know, that this is, ah, it's glad we made the change. I don't know if we made the change. I don't know if maybe that's just the players did it. I don't know if maybe a palace was, it did look like they, they were, they kind of fell asleep for that kind of half second that you can't afford to. And then all of a sudden they were just like, the ball came in, Raya has it. All right. He's going to cradle it and throw it. Nope. He was up and we were, we were running and everybody was, they're sprinting in the other direction. Um, you know, Trussard moves nicely and then a nice finish. Um, yeah. And it's three nil. And at that point, you know, we sort of mentioned this. Let's be honest. It's, like, it's over, man. It was over. <laughs> game over, man. Game over. <laughs> game over, man. Uh, it was not. Yeah, I mean, we were done. They were done. I, you know, they're Palace is a team that has a couple of good players. But you saw. I don't know. I we, we didn't talk about this pregame. I don't know if you noticed in the in the corner. So the the you know where our where the the, the away fans are. Yeah. Right in that in that lower corner. If you're watching if you're watching on the TV, it's the right hand corner that you, your right. Um and they saw by the it late in the game there were some banners hung up. And I yeah. don't know what they were, but they were it were clearly protests against the ownership and the direction or perhaps lack of direction in the club at that point. So Palace is going through some things right now. Yeah. Um Do you remember ever seeing something like that before? Like protest signs against the team that you section you're in in the stands like have you ever seen that before oh yeah well there was a stretch for a while um the you know starting in late stage venger and you see even see it occasionally uh, up through even the super league i mean people flying airplanes with banners over the stadium okay um yeah that sort of stuff is common remember we, we you know in the U.S., obviously, our sports teams are, are franchise models, so, you know, they're owned by the owners and the fans are, you know, we, we understand that we are not actually a part of the team. Uh, you know, we just support this team. In, you know, these these teams are, in Europe, in England, these teams are clubs that, you know, the fans in some ways are, in some ways, members of the club. And so there is a sense of owner, kind of sense of ownership that you don't see in the same way. So you will see a lot of protests against ownership, a lot more. And some of that, I think, is just a European thing. They, they generally sort of protest more than Americans do in some <laughs> res- in some respects, in some ways. Sure. Um, or they do so in different ways, these more public statements. But you see it in American sports, people showing up games with, like, paper bags over their heads or, you know, you fire this, fire the coach and things like that. So, you know, the kind of banners, I think, is a little bit more of the uh, – is a little more European in style, but yeah, they're, they're not happy. And I think when you go down three, nil like that, I mean, let's be honest, we're just better than they are. Um, and so 
Yeah, it's, I mean, it's rough, but that's the point. It's supposed to be embarrassing. You know, it's not just that you're losing the game. I mean, there's no, if you're Crystal Palace, there's no shame in losing at Arsenal. Like, mm-hmm. it's a tough game, you know, but they're at the top of the league. Like, those things are going to happen to you. Your goal as Crystal Palace is to avoid relegation, which I think they will. They're, they've been struggling a bit this year, but they are, I mean, they're 15th. They're, you know, they're clear of relegation, but, you know, they're, they'll want a few more results to, to stay above it. Yeah, they're, they're five, they're, uh, yeah, five points out of the, the drop zone. Uh, no. an, so it's not great. And you saw Roy Hodgson there. Right. He's managed Palace more than once. I can't believe he's very long for them. Well, they were saying he's the oldest manager to ever manage a top flight team in England, I think maybe has had the longest tenure they have said also of any manager in top flight football, I think. Uh, yeah, he's been around. He's, he's, he's jumped to a lot of different teams. Um, you know, England and English manager who's had some, who's had some time out of the country. A lot of English, you know, a lot of man, English managers are tend to be very parochial. They spend a lot of time um, managing or they, they t- mostly manage in England, but he's been, he's been to, he was in Italy for a while. He's managed some international teams, Switzerland, a few other places. Hmm. Um, he, I mean, he was, he was at Fulham for a few years. He did a season at Liverpool. Um, he was, he was Crystal Palace's manager from 2017 to 2021, retired and then took back over, uh, hmm. last, last calendar year in 2023. So, um, you know he's been he's he's had a couple he's spent plenty of time with Palace he's been around he's been around in a lot of a lot of uh, interesting places. Um, actually, he was a youth player at Crystal Palace. He's a long association hmm. with that club. Um, hmm. But yeah, he's also seventy six. Yeah, I mean I'm not here to cast aspersions on a man's age, but you know, it, no, but yeah, yeah, it, 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 and, and in the run they have, it's hard to really start to see. I mean, I think they showed pregame. I don't know if you had seen this. Uh, Graham Potter, who was a manager at Brighton and was the manager at Chelsea uh, at, for a stretch last season, um, was in attendance at the right. game. Yeah, they were talking Graham about post game. Yeah, Graham Potter would not be a bad hire for Crystal Palace. That's all I'm going to say about that. Right, uh, would not be a well, bad. Uh, yeah. And it sounds like he's not in the habit of attending matches for teams that he's not managing, where you could easily and justifiably read into his presence there, it sounded like. so. Yeah, I mean, he, generally speaking, if a guy goes to a game, if a, if a, a, well, if a, well, na- a na- well-named person goes to a game, everybody knows about it, because, of course, the cameras find him. And and as you said, yeah, he's there for a reason. Like, you'll see a lot, they'll point out, uh, Gareth Southgate, the England manager, will go to games. And he's obviously there to watch... The his English players, players whoever's yeah. in that in that game, yeah. In this case, yeah, a, an, an available manager watching a team that is struggling. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I'm sure Graham Potter loves him some fo- some Premier League football, but that's yeah. I mean, there's a reason he's there. Um, yeah. I don't know. I don't know if you. I don't know. There's an episode. There was a scene in the uh, the, the final Ted Lasso season where Ted goes to a game. Have you seen he, that? Yes. Yes. He goes, yes. He goes son. to the West Ham match you're talking about. Right. right. Yeah, and of course, everyone yeah. points it out and they notice he's there at the game. Um, mm, yeah. Right. <laughs> to comic I mean, that's effect. A, yes. That's a we- <laughs> Right. And it's interesting how that, like, that's, that's exactly, I mean, 
you notice Potter was sitting up in the the fancy section, you know, right. uh, away from the like where they as they put Ted, of course, just buys any t- any old ticket, just sits in the middle of everybody else, and they don't recognize him. Um, so yeah, there's a uh, you know they that's sort of played for a bit of laughs, but yeah, and of course they spend what's he doing there? Is he scouting? Is he what's what's going on? Right. But of course, since it's Ted Lasso, he's just no. I'm just I'm just here to watch the game. Yeah. Hi. You know. <laughs> Yeah, so no, it's, it's all interesting. It's funny, you mentioned the, the manager having been part of the Youth Crystal Palace program, and they mentioned another player who's on the roster for Crystal Palace now that he joined them when he was eight years old. And I'm just thinking, geez, that's like almost a little bit over a year older than my son. And just like, I, I can't imagine like coaching those kids. Like, I've seen so far like maybe one or two kids who could potentially be looked at for something like that and it's uh yeah, it's just crazy thing about that, that, that well that i mean we, we, we've talked a little bit about the academies that's kind of how it works is you yeah. show up at that very young age and mostly at that age they're not really playing they're basically just doing drills mm-hmm. but they've been scouted i mean they've been watched in and the playground now again they're also in a culture where like people just play soccer mm-hmm. like like you know, it would be different if we ran the same thing obviously with your son and and soccer but like you imagine something like basketball I mean, you think right. about how people just pick up a basketball, dribble, and shoot. Like, they, the basic stuff. They kind of, you could just do that in your driveway. Right. And you have a lot of, in some parts of the country, obviously, where that's a very common thing. In England, everyone just plays soccer. Like, you can yeah. see some of that stuff. So, an eight-year-old, in that sense, the, eight, the eight-year-old, I mean, obviously, the eight-year-old kid who's playing for Crystal Palace, you know, is at Crystal Palace Academy is obviously very good. But the, yeah. the average English eight-year-old has a tremendous amount of soccer experience that most American eight-year-olds will never be exposed to. Yeah. I will say, to my son's school's credit, they do have a couple small soccer goals out there uh, in their mm-hmm. playground for the kids to use. Uh, you know, I've mentioned before on the show, my son wants to be a keeper, and apparently there's a playground rule like no keepers, <laughs> which mm-hmm. is probably the same type of motivation as in the U8 level, where they just don't want kids intentionally getting in the path of the ball at that age, and in the path yeah. of other kids feet at that age right yeah there's but, a danger yeah, to a... playing keeper um, <laughs> also just the whole point is to run around yeah, i mean there's a long history of youth youth soccer youth, soccer being a very popular use for it in the u.s because it's just a lot of running around mm-hmm. um you know and and so they'll talk about you know kids there's like age out of soccer like i played that when i was a kid and mm. then i specialized in a in a real sport when i got <laughs> older um, yeah no, I'm not bitter about this at all. Why do you ask? Uh, <laughs> I kid. I'm not bitter. It's just a, just a little flashback to the the old day, the old days of American sports. All right. Well, so um, you know, we, we had a we had a bunch of attempts in the middle of the second half. Nothing that materialized. You know, we had uh, a, a somewhat troublingly. Um, Rice came off with a knock. Apparently, have you heard any follow up on that? Yeah, I saw that. Um, the the comment someone made was uh, apparently he said something like about a tight hamstring, maybe as he walked okay. off. Um, uh, Gabriel, when he was subbed off, also was a little slow coming off. Although he he sat down on the bench, which is you know if he's actually injured, players will go into the locker room. Right. In fact, he sat there on the bench or in his seat there. Um, you know, some discomfort, some tightness, and that's why they came off. Generally precautionary. So mm-hmm. you know, I mean, some of that might just be. We've talked about these guys who played a lot of minutes. Maybe they're maybe battling something a little bit. Um, it could be the weather. It appeared, did look like it was quite cold uh, that day uh, where they were yeah. um, in London. I shouldn't say that. I knew where they were. It was London. Um, 
you know, it was a little chilly. Um, you know, also it, it also, you know, they, they, they were training all week. Sure. But there was the rapid change from being in very warm weather and, and just also this difference between training and games. So there's a lot of little things that could have been involved or could have been why yeah. uh, that may have happened. Um, obviously they're both very important. They're both of them are very important to us. Um, and we have, and plus we have 10 days, you know, between that game and our next one. So, right. Yeah, whatever. You know, uh, yeah. yeah every, nobody seems bothered. Everyone seems fine. Nobody was doing anything that would make you feel nervous right. in that regard. Um, and, you know, we also got an Emil Smith Rowe cameo appearance. And yeah. Yeah, I should say more than a cameo appearance. He played, <laughs> what, you know, 20 minutes? That was good. Right. Yeah, it was good. I mean, I didn't feel he made a major contribution this time around, but yeah. yeah. I mean, he was, yeah, was he was there. Yeah, yeah, he was there. He was involved. He ran around a little bit. Like he didn't. There wasn't a lot to do at that point. It was three. As we talked about, it was three nil, and the game mm-hmm. was over. But it was nice to see him get more than like you know coming on at stoppage time and for the for the last couple of minutes. Um, you know, to see him get involved in the play a little bit. So yeah. um, we also saw uh, Gabriel Martinelli come on. I guess this is sort of what will wrap up the game. A uh, couple of slam dunks <laughs> to to emphasize the point and run off the goal differential. Yeah, uh, from from uh, the other Gabby, the third our third Gabby, Gabriel Martinelli. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, no, it was uh, the things as they tend to do uncomfortably often, really heated up in stoppage time for us. Um, wish we could try and shift that into regulation time a little bit. <laughs> I mean, I think but. some of that. Well, I think some of that is Palace kind of switching off at the end. I think also some of it is Martinelli taking his chances. I mean, he come. I mean, he came on, and you know, his great, the real great asset he has is his speed, right? And you know, I, that I don't want to like turn him into a super sub, but one of the ways he can benefit you off the bench is now he's running at a tired defender. You know, he's right. he hasn't been playing seventy minutes. Now he has a play. He's fresh going against the guy who has seventy minutes already under his belt. Um, yeah, yeah, definitely. You know, and they generated a quick turn. The first one, quick turnover, gets to Nketiah, gets to Martinelli, and it wasn't a great finish. He, he definitely looked like he slipped as he slipped a little bit as he was taking the shot. But oh, did it? Yeah, but so it went in. I, yeah, I mean, I think what I noticed with that one, if I'm remembering the correct one, they they happen so close together, it kind of gets blurry a little bit. Yeah, but I think that one, he had a brief one on one with the keeper, and he like he waited. And made the keeper commit, and then kind of got around him and got it in. I didn't remember yeah. the the finish being a little sloppy, but I didn't it felt to me like he didn't hit it quite as well as he wanted. As I watched okay. it, I mean, but that was that was my impression. I mean, in the end, it's a great finish. How do I know that? Because he scored. Uh, you know, <laughs> that's 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 how I define that. It was a good finish because he scored a goal. Um, and then he, then he does it again. And that one, I looked at and said. Yeah, that's exactly what he wanted. I mean, it looked it, it really did look almost like the exact same finish, just curled it around the keeper, um, just completely, you know, caught, catches him flat-footed, and um, yeah. Yeah? It, nice exclamation mark, and what was a, a pleasant well, morning for, from our perspective. Um, <laughs> right, well... For, for mine, you, anyway, um, since yeah, I watched it. I, I, I don't know. I'm... There are very few things that can make me get up uh, in time to watch that match on a weekend. Uh, so, yeah, no, I watched the replay later. Unspoiled, so, you know, I still mm-hmm. had fairly similar experience. Of course, I was able to pause it once or twice. But other than that, you know, it was pretty much yeah. the same. <laughs> but, yeah, no, it uh, finished strong. And, you know, given that I, I haven't really touched my fantasy Premier League team in a while and Martinelli is still 
my lineup. It was a good day for my fantasy team. <laughs> there you go. So. There you go. <laughs> so uh, anything else you want to talk about before we uh, decide on player of the week? Um, I don't think so. I thought this was, uh, it was it's good to win. It's good to win. Yeah. Oh, good. Oh, yeah. good to, to get back to the whole winning thing again. I like it. We should do it more. <laughs> Two more often. So, who's your pick? Um, you know what? I'm going to give him credit for the second goal. Give me Gabby, big Gabby. <laughs> um, I mean, you could you could slot in Declan Rice, especially for the the corner. Uh, but I, but I think it's big Gabby. He got the two goals. Uh, and I'm you know even if he technically doesn't get the the first one, and we talked about how it counts as the own goal. I give him credit for getting in those positions for finishing. He's such a he's a real weapon for us uh, in those situations, and it's good to see that clicking and sort of yeah. you know, finishing off the corners for us and the set piece. The set piece goals count. Um, you know, it's, it's good to get a few of those as well. And so I'm gonna I, and you know again wasn't called on to do anything dramatic defensively. So I'm gonna I'm gonna say uh, Gabrielle. Well, and it's it's a good use of a defender also if you can have one who is good at heading it in from inside the box mm-hmm. because that's a perfect time for a defender to be able to score because he's not defending anything at that point, really. I mean, maybe you might have one defender toward the back just in case there's a breakaway or something, but that is generally when the defend- the yeah. yeah. Well, yeah, as you saw, so typically what you see there just in terms of stretching, and watch this the next time Arsenal fails on this, Center backs, Saliba and Gabriel in the box because of their height. Center backs tend to be taller players. The guy who's back is actually probably going to be Declan Rice or maybe mm-hmm. Jorginho or more the defensive midfielder who's there to shield, uh, you know, the, against the, the break up the counter and potential counterattack. So yeah, you want your big body guys, your, 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 your center backs in the box on those, on those corners. Sure. Yeah. So yeah, for me, you know, I was thinking about it and. I want it's Gabriel is definitely the obvious choice. And I had been thinking for a lot of the match that it would probably be him. And then my thoughts turned towards Raya and the, the pass, the hurling pass that he made for that third goal. Beautiful. Great. Like that was, that was awesome. That was the first thought, but then also just throughout the match, he had good saves, like where he was flying through the air and catching and doing spectacular things that looked nice and that, you know, did help keep the clean sheet like this. It wasn't like we were completely unopposed. It wasn't like there have been matches where the entire first half, they don't get a shot on target or anything Mm -hmm. like that. This wasn't that they did have shots, nothing super threatening, but whenever there was some threat, Raya was up to the challenge. And there there were a few key saves that he did make that I I thought were, were worth noting. Yeah, I think you're right. He does get a hand on a few things. I thought, yeah, I thought he had a solid performance. And we've been critical of him, and a lot of people have been critical of of him. You know, and he's replacing Ramsdale, and and you know, we've been over all of that. Um, mm-hmm. but yeah, I think I think that's fair. I thought he was. I was thinking about that as you were talking about Gabrielle, and I was like, well, you know, David Raya actually was kind of had a nice moment there. And the more I thought about it, I don't think that's a bad choice. I'm sticking with mine. I like Gabrielle. But I think <laughs> Raya's good, and I think definitely does deserve a shout for. Uh, for for some of the stuff he did, you know, in a game you dominate like that, as we talked about, a game you dominate like that possession, like we do in many games, the keeper isn't called on to do much, and sometimes it's very difficult to stay mentally focused. And he did a and he did a good job with that. He was ready when called upon. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So, yeah, I'm never trying to persuade you <laughs> with the player of the week, <laughs> player of the Nothing match, which that. is synonymous this time. So, Nothing wrong with that. 
So, yeah. So, uh, so one, one quick question I, I noted during this match that at one point, the commentator pointed out something that had been happening off screen, I think. Mm-hmm. And that led me to the question, like, I know for American sports, you're watching a basketball match or something. They'll show the row of commentators who are sitting there courtside watching mm-hmm. the match or something, right? Or you'll have the baseball commentators where they have a box that's able to overlook the whole field or whatever. Um, so I'm guessing, or I guess assuming that English broadcasters are definitely in every stadium for every Premier League match. So con- please confirm that that's the case. But then also, what about American commentators? So are is there someone from NBC Sports, or Peacock, whatever? Is someone from their team in the stadium or is everybody from their team in the stadium at that time? Uh, yeah, and certainly the broadcasters themselves, especially this game was on NBC, I believe. Or no, USA. USA. But, yeah. but either way, it was yeah. a relatively big game. So definitely they have their broadcast teams that rotate around and do the games. But yes, yeah, so the majority of, at least the majority, I, I can't guarantee all of them, but the majority right. of them are there in England. I think all of them are. Um, it's usually rare at this point that you would have people calling the game from remotely because there is so much that you talk about things happening off camera. There is mm-hmm. so much that you pick up when you're in the stadium that you just miss if all you're doing is sitting there in a studio watching a watching a TV screen like the people at home. Um, Mm -hmm. But yes, most of them are there. And, you know, they have fairly large press boxes because they do get a lot of international coverage. And so there tends to be a lot of international, international media as well. So there are several uh, broadcast teams from around the world, you know, different networks around the world in different languages. And at the same time, I imagine they do still have a monitor showing their own coverage, too, because at one point, one thing that was kind of funny was after the header and they were, I guess, deciding if I don't know if it, I think it was an offside check, but with the header that went off the back of the keeper's head and went in, <laughs> the play was over. They had called it a goal and play had resumed. And then the broadcast started showing the VAR screen Yeah, after they'd already resumed playing, which was a goof. I guess somebody hit the wrong button or something weird happened, but they commented it, on that. So they saw that too, even though they were presumably oh, in, in the stadium. So, Oh yeah. Like if you ever look at like a commentator's booth, they've got like a row of screens and stuff with them, which are showing the various things they have. That's the script. So like, they'll talk about, well, if you see on the replay here, like they're, they, they mm. have some of that stuff. Um, I will actually add, though, y- yes, I do think it's their own production. And there has been some commentary from, like, fans and stuff that, you know, NBC is, you know, if they're going to – NBC largely has done a very good job with the Premier League. But one of the criticisms of them is the kind of the showing of replays and when they choose to do them right. and things like that. But I will also say it was an interesting bit. So the VAR check, that was for a potential foul. Because if you look in the buildup, Ben White is right around the keeper. Right. Yeah. Now, now, I don't think he does anything. I think he has the right to his position the way he's doing it. Now, Ben White's mm-hmm. a, a, a cheeky fellow, uh, you know, who who's you know been has been willing to you know be a little oh, sneaky yeah, we, and underhanded. In the we rules. remember some of those moments. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but but I do. Th- I mean, we've also seen instances, or at least I certainly have. I don't remember if they've necessarily been any when we've talked to this, since we've talked. But I have seen instances where the same kind of thing: their guy is positioned right and sort of runs into our keeper or effectively interferes with him, and the referees look at it and go, "Nah, it's fine." Mm-hmm. So for them, that's we saw the complaints from Palace after the second goal. That's what they're complaining about, and my yeah. response to that is. <laughs> 
Right. Yeah, I mean, but, you know, looking at the replay, honestly, like, he was basically standing there. Like, he wasn't interfering with the keeper. He just chose a position that the keeper wishes he could have had. <laughs> so, Exactly. Yeah. So, yeah, it, Ian, that's what, that's what that one was all about. Yep. All right. So, uh, what's up for next week? Uh, next week is nothing. There is nothing up for us. So we're going to take next week off. Um because the game schedule gets a little funky. So as many of you know, we typically record on Mondays. We didn't really want to record on a Monday next week because there's no game between now and then. Our next game is next Tuesday, the 30th. Uh, We are away to Nottingham Forest, which is not an easy game. Yes, Forest is not good, but we've had difficulty at the city ground. So that would be a good one for us to really sort of right the ship before playing Liverpool the following that, that weekend. Anyway, we were both unavailable. We were unavailable to do recording on Tuesday night, and so we decided, uh, a collective decision of the podcast crew here, uh, the show crew here, that we were going to skip next week and come back strong in two weeks, where we could talk about the not only the Forest game, but also the Liverpool game, which will be next Sunday. We get Liverpool at the Emirates for the Premier League game. Uh, let's see if we can improve on the last time we played Liverpool at the Emirates, or the last time we played Liverpool in the league, uh, <laughs> the draw at Anfield and then the loss in the cup. So, right. Um, so yes, we'll be taking next week off, but don't worry. It is a deliberate choice on our part to give you the best possible programming. Cause otherwise <laughs> you have to sit and listen to us ramble for, I don't know, a half hour about <laughs> transfer rumors. <laughs> and we, yeah. this is, that's not what you come here for. Yeah. It, it is a rare break for us. So, so yeah, um, we will be back the following week. Yeah. It would have been kind of like the worst possible time recording the day before a match when there was no intervening match. So, so yeah. All right. Well, thanks for joining us at Gooner U. If you're watching on YouTube, you can also listen to our show on Apple, Spotify, and some other places. If you're listening to this, try watching us on YouTube next time. Wherever you watch or listen, please like, subscribe, rate, or review the show. Gooner U super fans can stick around after the episode to hear our post show and also get ad-free episodes, bootleg recordings, and bonus episodes. It's only a dollar a month, and there's a link in the description to join. Find us on Twitter with a link in the description to get updates and to ask questions. Thanks again to our sponsor, Zencaster. You can find them with our special link in the description. Again, my name is Dove, and you can find me on Twitter at Dove Frankel. With me, as always, is Keith, and you can find him early in the morning watching Arsenal matches. Drink up. Go on, you gunners.